Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Tom and Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back. Final segment. Period. Final segment. Actually, we have two segments. <laughs> we got two. We got two left. We got two left. Uh, Mitch Sherman will join us momentarily from the Athletic, and then we'll bring in the guys, Nick and Rico, for the pregame. Um, we haven't talked much about um, Oklahoma, but it was kind of cool seeing uh, Mr. Stoops, Big Game Bob, on the sidelines last night. Yeah, it was amazing. I, I, I loved it. It's kind of almost nostalgic. I know he's only been gone a few years, yeah. but um, it's really cool to see him back on the side. I really was hoping that he would take the job altogether. Um, but, of course, they went with Brent Venables, and, and it's all it's all relevant enough because Nebraska's obviously welcoming Oklahoma to, to yeah. Nebraska to Memorial Stadium next year. So, um, you know, they I guess they didn't quite have a, a great year. They're going to be under Brent Venables, defensive-minded, but they stuck – as far as we know, if it's Brent Venables helping that defense, they kind of went with the opposite uh, guy approach, didn't they? They uh, went out and got the longtime uh, defensive guy instead of the offensive right. wizards. Um, but if they have Caleb Williams in there and their offense looks anywhere similar to what they've had over the last yeah. several years and then throw Brent Venables' defense in there, in a few years that could be that could be national championship uh, type stuff right there. Yeah, I was really hoping that Caleb Williams would transfer to USC and Nebraska wouldn't have to face him next year because <laughs> that guy's really, really good. Uh, but they will as we bring in Mitch Sherman of the athletic uh how is oklahoma in you do you think how are they going to look in the next couple of years uh with venables as the head coach in your mind well you know based i haven't i haven't checked twitter in the last 20 minutes but based on your your conversation there are you, are you expecting that williams is going to be back or did he make an announcement uh that he's coming back because as of last night uh stop me if i'm if i'm reciting old news here uh mm. he's uncertain yeah. And you know much about much about how Brent Venables' first few teams are going to look. I think depends on that decision that Caleb Williams has to make. Yeah. Because if he's if he's back, then Oklahoma is is a is a national championship contending team. I think they they don't take much of a step back, despite what we've seen as far as player exodus from that program. I mean, there has certainly been uh, some talent that left in the wake of of Lincoln Riley's departure, but, um, you know, he's recruited so well over the years. And I think Venables will recruit well and he'll get some of the guys back or already has, you know, who made uh, decisions to leave right, right after, right after Riley stepped out. Um, but look, if, um, if they're starting from scratch at the quarterback spot, hmm. then that's a different story. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's an opportunity, you know, for all of the teams that get Oklahoma next year, um, especially those in September, like Nebraska, um, to potentially pull an upset. How surprised, Mitch, are you with all the players? Of course, uh, Garrett Nelson, Chris Olave, uh, Haskell Garrett have all pulled out of the the Rose Bowl. There's a number of guys that have. Kenny Pickett, Kenneth Walker the third. Uh, how big of a problem is this going to be for college football going forward? Well, if you start to have players pull out of the college football playoff, I think it becomes a real problem. Um, 
the other games, you know, they are what they are. They're exhibitions, um, and especially when you're Ohio State, and really the only goal that you have as a school is, is to play for a national championship, to win a national championship. I mean, the Rose Bowl is a great, is a great thing. And, you know, for generations, it was the ultimate prize for Big Ten schools. But that's just no longer the case um, if you're Ohio State. And, you know, th- these guys, I think, would be playing if they were in a semifinal tomorrow. But, um, you know, that, that's not what the Rose Bowl is. It's a great, it's a great end-of-the-season prize. Um, you know, so much prestige and history. And, you know, it's, it's a feather in the cap of Ohio State to be able to play in that game. But, it, but again, it is not the national championship. And, and, you know, I understand why guys like Olave and Wilson and, and others are, are doing what they're doing um, because of how much money they have to make in the months ahead. Um, you know, what one, one misstep, one, uh, you know, sprained ankle or, or worse um, can, can cost those guys millions of dollars. And, you know, that's, that's, that's no different than it has been for a number of years, but this is just the trend in college football. And it's the reality with so much focus on the college football playoff, the other games are going to mean less. You know, I, and in, in, in following along with the the um, you know the feelings that that our Ohio State people at the at the athletic have, um, look, this is an opportunity to see some of the young talent at Ohio State. Um, you take out Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and you put in um, you know Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, you're just bringing another five star in. To fill in those spots, and I think in some ways that that excites the fans just as much as seeing those those stars play a final game um, in, in the postseason. So, I, I mean, look, yeah, if you're Pitt and Kenny Pickett's not playing, that's that's disappointing. Um, but for the most part, I think this is just we just kind of have to accept this is what college football is, and these games that are not that are not for the national championship are are probably forever going to be missing the star players. Well, and, and college football is certainly going through a trial period as, you know, the kind of break in this, this transfer portal, the NIL stuff. Um, is there something that can be done to, uh, you know, move kind of maybe the, the, the coaching movement, the coaching carousel, maybe even move back recruiting day to make these bowl games? I mean, you know, a lot of these teams are playing without their head coach for the whole year. So it's really just hard to get into some of these games. Do, do you think there's something that can be done scheduling wise to, to kind of bring some of that back? You know, the biggest thing is probably, like you mentioned, Bach, to do something with the signing date. Um, you know, there's just been this, this convergence of change in college football. And, and you know, the, 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 the sport as a whole was hesitant for a long time to move up the signing period or to change the signing period. And then right when it did, and you, you had December um, instituted in the, in the couple of years that followed, um, all of a sudden there's this, this seismic change with NIL. And, you know, we've had this trend of players – leaving early and opting out of bowl games. I, you know, I, I, think it, I think because of, of all of the other changes that, that, ha- that have taken place over the last two to three years, um, they need to take a hard look at that December signing period and say, is this the right thing for everybody in the sport? And, um, you, you know, should they, should they move it back to the first week of January? Um, should they move it ahead? and just have a signing period in the summer months before the senior season for prospects. I think that might be uh, a, a wise thing to look at. December is tough because there's so much going on in December with opt-outs and with coaching change. So to throw the recruiting period, and it's not like it's, I mean, we say early signing period, but it's the, 
the signing period, as as I think everyone expected it would be when they when they went from February to December as the first opportunity to sign. You know, there are not a lot of players who wait around until January and February. December is now the time when recruits sign, and that's just it's just it's such a um, you know it makes for such a chaotic couple couple weeks um, once the regular season ends until you get through that signing period uh, because of everything else that is converging in those in those moments. So I think taking recruiting out of the mix, either moving it up or moving it back slightly, would, would for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Be you know, not not a solution, but it would be something to uh, you know alleviate some of the, the bottleneck that occurs at that time of year. He's Mitch Sherman of the Athletic. Joins us every week. Uh, how much chance does Michigan have of beating Georgia in your mind? They're a seven and a half point favorite. Is Georgia? Yeah, I mean, look what Michigan did to Ohio State, and I don't think Georgia has um, has uh, dramatically better talent than Ohio State. I, I, I think they're fairly equal teams. Georgia's got a better defense. Ohio State has a better offense. So Michigan comes out with the kind of energy and the kind of game plan that it had in that, that game against Ohio State. I think it can go toe-to-toe with Georgia. And, and you know, both of these teams are, are, are strong on the defensive side. I would say Georgia's the best defensive team in the country even even after what happened when it played Alabama that was an off day for sure and, and you know there was more motivation on the on the side of, of of Bama in that game Georgia knew it was in the playoff no matter what happened in that game and you know while of course they wanted to win the SEC um, you know it's tough to uh, you know to match perhaps the intensity of what Alabama came into that game with um, and, and now Georgia is no longer in that position of course everything is is riding on this game um, I think I think they'll bounce back, but I think Michigan um, can 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 do. I think this is a better matchup for for Michigan than it would be if the Wolverines were going against um, Alabama, uh, and you know maybe that, maybe that's what we'll see in the final. But but I don't I don't think that uh, I don't think Georgia runs away with this game. I I, I would probably pick Georgia to win, but I, I think it's a I think it's a competitive game, and I, I think Michigan hangs around and and can give Georgia everything it wants. And the other semifinal, also fascinating, Alabama and Cincinnati. Um, do you think a Cincinnati victory would help those that want a, a bigger expansion of the playoff? Because, you know, you would say, hey, these, these, these matchups can happen all the time. Or do you think it would help those that want to stick to a four-team playoff to say, hey, fine, look, this is what you wanted was a, a non-power five to get in and get a chance, and here they are. They took, they'd have their chance. They took advantage. It's a great thought. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it, would, it would do more in – in, on the side of expanding the playoff, because Cincinnati got in through a almost a, like a magical set of events. If Cincinnati hadn't played Notre Dame at Notre Dame and won the way it did, and then had Notre Dame finish as the fifth-ranked team with just one loss, and to have you know other teams from the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and the ACC fall the way that they did 
um, Cincinnati doesn't get in. There's six or seven things that all had to line up for Cincinnati to get in, and they and, and they all they all worked out for the Bearcats. So, you know, that's not going to happen every year, even if Cincinnati goes out and, and beats Alabama tomorrow. Um, so, I mean, the, the playoff is going to expand one way or the other. But, but I do think that the, 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 the argument, the, the, it would be a better argument if Cincinnati wins tomorrow for the, the, the faction of people who want the playoff to expand. Either way, it's going to happen. It's coming uh, in, in, in a few years. Yeah. So I don't know that it necessarily matters what the outcome is tomorrow for that discussion. When they do expand, do you think that helps the Bulls uh, expanding the playoffs, or does that make them even more irrelevant? The Bulls that aren't involved yeah, in the playoffs, right. I, I think it's the same. I don't, I don't think it's much different. I mean, sure, there's going to be even more focus on the playoffs, but really that's what it is now. Um, this postseason, is, is, it's all just a, a very, you know, it's, it's all just an afterthought until you get to those two games tomorrow. I um, mean, it, it, sure, if you're Oregon or Oklahoma or you're Iowa State or Clemson, yesterday was important. It was nice to have your three hours in the spotlight. But nationally, you know, people are just sitting around and waiting for these two big games tomorrow. And, you know, if you have a playoff and instead of having, having two games, you have seven games, uh, you know, as you would in an 18 playoff, then, or, you know, you have 11 games in, in a 12-team in a playoff. You know, that's, that's going to add emphasis on all of those games. I don't think it does much as far as changing the uh, the attention that's given to uh, the, the the secondary and third tier bowl games. He's Mitch Sherman of the Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. As we know, Nebraska needs to hire or at least name a defensive line coach. They need to hire a special teams coordinator. They need to hire probably a running backs coach. Uh, which of those is most important to you? Well, the special teams coordinator, just because of how. We've seen that play out, that, that, that third phase of the game play out over the last four years. I mean, how many games would Nebraska have won if it had just been average in special teams? I think you can count two or three just in, in the 2021 season. You know, is that the difference between a, a three and nine season and a six and six season? That's, that's, um, that's probable. Um, and having a coordinator who doesn't have responsibility with another position and, and can be solely focused on on getting things shored up and your, with your coverage teams, with your, with your return units, um, with your specialists. Um, not to say that it's, that's, that's the, uh, you know, the magic solution to fixing special teams is just to bring in a, a, a dedicated coordinator. I mean, it's going to still take work. It's going to still take some time. There's going to still be some, some trial and error and, and, and some, you know, steps back as you, as you move forward, but it's a big step in the right direction. And, and you know, I, I think without that, um, you know, Nebraska isn't doing all that it can do to without without making that decision to go with the special teams coordinator. Nebraska is, is failing to do all that it can do to to turn this thing in the right direction in 2022. So it's it, it's essential that they they have that position as part of the coaching staff. And you know, I think and I think it's headed in that direction. Yeah. I mean, there's a defensive line coach on the staff uh, yeah. in Mike Dawson who has coached that position, who has coached many of the players at that position and has a relationship with those guys and understands the defense and the way that Nebraska's defense has trended schematically in the past year or two, um, you know, it makes, it makes complete sense. It's a natural move to have Dawson coach the front four. And then you have an outside linebacker or nickel position that Eric Chenander as the coordinator has worked uh, intensely with over the, 
over the past couple of years. And, and, and in addition to that, if you have Bill Bush joining your staff as that 10th assistant coach, as the, as the special teams coordinator, he has experience with mm-hmm. outside linebackers and safeties. Right. The exact spot you know, that, that you would worry about getting lost in the, su- in, in the shuffle. So I, I think there's just a, there's a very natural solution to what Nebraska needs to do on special teams yeah. and on the defensive side. And then, you, and then you have one more spot on the offensive field with a running backs coach. And that, and that, that also is an important hire, but I put special teams at the top of the list. Uh, Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. Mitch, you've been a guest for a long time on the show, one of our most knowledgeable. You can feel like you can ask him any question, and he'll come up with a great answer for you. Been a great guest over the years. Uh, this is the last time I'll talk to you for a while, but uh, Happy New Year. Thanks for the time for these many years. Well, thanks, Tom. Happy to do it, and, and uh, Happy New Year to you, too. Oh, there you go. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic, at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Let's get to break and uh, finish out with our picks of density and the pregame. We'll uh, cram them both together. There you go. Yeah. You're listening to Tom and Bach. Watch live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch.